0: Chapter 27, Ten-Foot Ditch Jack ran into Rhodes' office, out of breath. Beth's there! They're in a firefight, he yelled. What the hell are you talking about? Rhodes was confused at Jack's sudden outburst. I got a call from Luke, Jack lied, not divulging his psychic connection. You have to get someone out to the agrifuse field. Beth's out there, shooting at them. They don't have much time. God damn it, Rhodes shouted, getting up quickly. He grabbed his phone and called the eradication team. He barked a few words, then hung up. They're an hour out, Rhodes said to Jack. Christ, it'll be over by then, Jack shouted. Back in the California cornfield, inexplicably, the driver put the big machine in gear and gave it slightly more throttle. The combine began to move slowly inching its way toward Chaz and Luke's truck. Chaz tried to push herself up from the steel deck, but was completely stuck. Her belt buckle wedged firmly between the serrated steel grates of the platform. The grates were only an inch or so apart, leaving her no space to work her hands between them to unhook her belt. She saw Luke dart from behind the truck. Get off, Luke screamed. She tried to respond, but her words were lost to engine noise. Luke stood on the ground, waiting for her to get up and tell the driver to stop. However, nothing happened. She just lay there. Shit, she's hit, Luke thought to himself. He ran toward the combine. It was moving slowly. However, he had to run through the corn to avoid the massive thresher blades hanging from the front of the combine. When he was clear, he ran to the ladder, hooking his arm up around one of the steps, pulling himself up. He quickly made it to chastity. Are you hit? he screamed. No, stuck. It's my belt, she said. He quickly dropped down one rung of the ladder, grabbing the handle and swinging himself under the platform to see what was caught. He saw her belt buckle clearly stuck between the grates. He tried to reach it but couldn't. He made a snap decision and swung his entire body around the backside of the angled ladder, holding on tenuously as he saw the ground below the combine crushed under the weight of the massive tire that would crush him if he fell. He tried not to think about the possibility as he worked his way up the back of the ladder like a circus performer. Locking his knees on one of the ladder rungs like a trapeze artist, he held on with one hand, loosening the belt with the other. He unfastened it and yanked on the buckle, pulling it through Chaz's belt loops until she was free. He threw the belt down, grabbed a rung of the ladder with one hand, and tried to make his way down the other side of the ladder. He was fighting gravity now finding it harder to gain enough leverage to swing himself around. He saw Chaz move quickly down the ladder. Avoiding his fingers and feet, she grabbed hold of the small rail and shot her hand out to him. It's not good. I can't pull myself around, Luke shouted. Chaz looked down and saw the huge tractor tire, ready to devour him if he fell. Luke was clawing at the ladder, trying to regain his grip. He wouldn't last long. We just need to swing you out of the way, she said, motioning to him. There was no time for him to argue. He saw Chaz wrap her arm through the ladder and steady herself. On three, she yelled. He took one hand off the ladder and grabbed hers as she counted. On three, he kicked himself from the backside of the ladder, the only thing keeping him from certain death with Chaz's ferocious grip. As soon as he sensed he was clear of the massive tire, he let go. He tumbled into the corn, missing the wheel by inches at best. Chaz saw him land safely, and quickly turned as she heard the horrific sound of crunching metal as the large tire of the combine slowly began rolling over their pickup truck. She had to stop the driver and bounded back up the ladder. The driver was slumped over, though, unconscious or dead. A large pool of blood covered the side of his shirt. She threw the driver's door open and checked his pulse. He was gone. She pushed him off the controls as he fell to the side, supported only by his armrest. She looked at the assorted pedals and levers, unsure of how any of it worked. She squatted down, grabbing the driver's leg and belt heaving him out of the chair onto the floor between the seats. She jumped into the controller's seat and quickly began searching for the right combination of pedals and switches to stop the huge machine. She quickly jammed her foot on a pedal which she thought would be the clutch. Nothing happened. She remembered her grandfather's tractor as a child, which had a throttle lever on the side of the steering column. She grabbed the same lever, pulling it down, only to hear the blades activate and the thresher begin to rotate. Nothing was working. She felt around under the dash frantically and found what she was looking for. The key. She quickly turned it off and cut the ignition, but not before running out of level ground. The large machine fell into a steep ten-foot ditch. The impact threw her on the steering column knocking her breathless. Luke watched in awe as the combine ran over the truck, crushing it with ease. That's not good, he muttered to himself, quickly getting out of the way. He saw Chaz frantically trying to stop the machine, wishing he was in the driver's seat. He saw images and detailed operational manuals suddenly pop into his head, no doubt thanks to Quan and his acceleration feed. He could have stopped it, but it was too late. The MIG machine was still rolling, and there was nothing he could do. He jogged after it, careful not to get too close, suddenly alarmed by the huge ditch directly in its path. Even worse, he said, watching the combine roll into the ditch, its engine suddenly quiet. It came to rest at an extreme angle, in no danger of rolling over, but it would be a major pain in the ass to extricate. He ran down the edge of the ditch, tripping over a vine and tumbling to the bottom, coming to rest on something that felt like an air mattress. He wiped the dirt off his hands that were smeared with some sort of putrefied goo that found its way into his mouth. He wiped his eyes clear with his shirt sleeve, coming face to face with a bloated, decaying body. He rolled over and threw up, his whole body in retaliation from the repulsive smell and taste. He heard Chaz open the door of the big machine and climb down from the combine, but he couldn't move, dry heaving on all fours. Holy shit, was all he heard as he felt her put her arms under his armpits and pull him up and walk him away from the body. She sat him down on the embankment, took off her jacket, and used the fleece lining to wipe off his face and hands. That's nasty, she said. You okay? Luke shook reflexively. He nodded and then bolted upright, shouting, Fuck, that's disgusting! Letting out an impressive stream of expletives before stopping to take a breath. Unbelievable, he said finally. Chas sat down on the embankment throwing herself back on the dirt in a reclining position. That was out of hand, she said. Luke sat down beside her, regaining his composure, but careful not to look at the body again. You okay? That was a hell of a drop-off, he said. She looked down at herself. No blood, or at least none that was her own. Yeah, but I think our ride is toast, she said. Completely fucked, Luke replied. She got up and walked over to the corpse a few yards away. The body was in an advanced state of decay, most likely there for a few days. She noted it was largely intact, unusual since predators and scavengers would normally have begun to pick it apart. Wonder who he is, Luke said, standing beside her. No clue. Does anything strike you as odd, she asked. You mean, other than finding a dead man in a ditch, Luke said sarcastically. He walked around the body and took a closer look. He could see where his hand had punctured the man's chest cavity when he fell. He suddenly noticed what Chaz was referring to. Holy shit, Luke said. His internal organs have liquefied. Chaz walked up the embankment and stood near the truck, examining the damage. Looks like a monster truck victim, she said. Luke walked up behind her, tracked her victim. A lot worse, he said, walking around the crushed mass of metal. The entire front end of their truck was completely destroyed, including most of the cab. She pulled on the mangled driver's side door, unable to make it budge. Somewhere in there is my phone, she said. You can administer last rights cause It didn't make it, Luke said. Chaz walked around the back to the perimeter road, kicking clumps of dirt, pissed and letting out a stream of profanity. Could be worse, Luke said, trying to lighten the mood. How exactly could it be worse? We almost got killed and the bitch got away. We've still got a field full of this shit and a body that looks like it's fucking infected with Ebola. Worse, we got no comms and we got no ride, Chaz said. Shit, Luke muttered, realizing she was right. They were in a fix. He looked across the field, surveying the damage. He nudged Chaz and pointed to the combine driver's truck. That'll work. Maybe he's got a phone on him, she said. She jogged back to the combine, climbed the ladder and searched the driver's body. Nothing here, she shouted. Luke quickly jogged across the field, Chaz not far behind him. He reached the driver's truck, opened it, and searched it. Flipping down the visor, the keys fell out. Chaz came up behind him. No phone, but we've got these, Luke said, dangling the keys. You drive. I've driven enough for one day, she said. They jumped into the truck, almost making it to the gate before Luke remembered they were about to leave without grabbing any of the samples they were sent to retrieve. Hold on, he said, as he jammed on the brakes and ran to grab plant material. That would have sucked, Chaz said, as she slumped in the passenger seat. They drove a couple of miles to a crossroad gas station with a payphone on the side of the building. Chaz called Rhodes, and Luke bought a couple of waters with some loose change he had found in the truck. Luke pushed the truck to its limit, making it to Fresno in 45 minutes. True to his word, Rhodes had a Learjet 35 prepped and ready for their departure. It was older, and its well-worn upholstery had seen plenty of asses, but it was functional and fast. The combine had crushed whatever belongings they had had in the truck, so they traveled light, bagging the plant material and stowing it in the back. Rhodes had provided them with a pilot as well. Chaz co-piloted during takeoff, then flopped down on the cabin sofa, nodding off almost immediately. Luke lit up his connection with Jack and outlined the events of the day. So, the body, are you serious? Liquefied organs? Jack asked. Yeah, it was fucking disgusting. I got decomp all over me, Luke said. Jack was quiet for a moment. What do you mean, all over you? Luke quickly understood what his brother was asking. He hadn't given a thought to the ramifications if the body was virulent. If it was, he was fucked the moment some of the decomp fluids entered his mouth. He quickly shared his fears with Jack. I've got to tell Rhodes. They've got a team on the way. They'll need some way to quarantine the body. Maybe you as well, Jack said. Jack quickly burst into Rhodes' office and told him about the situation. What the hell are you talking about? What is it? Rhodes prodded. No clue, really. Other than what Luke described about the body, I don't know anything more than you. All I can say is from what he told me, and based on being found in a cornfield with infected plant matter, this could be the one thing we were hoping to stop, Jack said. Good God, this shit keeps getting better. Rhodes blew out a deep breath. So now what? You saying Luke may be at risk? The Chaz may be too? He asked. Jack rubbed his eyes reticent to make a pronouncement without having all the facts. At this point, we have to assume they are, until proven otherwise, Jack said matter-of-factly. God damn, this is no good, Rhodes said, then quickly screamed at horn-rimmed glasses from across the work floor. I need the quarantine room prepped, now! The kid wiped his glasses. How bad, he asked as if performing a mind-reading trick of his own. Unknown at this point, but potentially really fucking ugly, Rhodes replied.